Testing, testing, one, two. It is good to be home. More than ever, I realize that home is not merely just a building, it's the people, it's relationships. We've been gone for two and a half years now, and it still amazes me that I can step up here and it still feels like home. Even with new faces, it's amazing to think that one, as followers of Christ, we're united to the triune God. And second, we're united to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. So even if I've just met you, I just met Pearl this morning, we're family now. So thank you for giving me the privilege to be able to speak to you. Let's bow our heads and hearts with one more word of prayer. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you that we got to celebrate covenant life in you. So now, God, would you give, add a blessing to the preaching, the hearing, and the doing of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If any of you guys have ever done home improvement or hung things up in your home, you've likely used a stud finder. And if you're cheesy like me, you've likely taken that stud finder and done this. Right, and because, yes, there you got it. So, and my wife is just looking at me like, how old are you? Like, you're still making these jokes like, it found a stud. What are you going to do? It works. But we use a stud finder because if you hang something heavy onto drywall, you're going to have bad results. You need to make sure that what you're hanging, whether it's a big picture or something that you value, that what you're anchoring it to is secure enough. You need to find a stud to ensure that when you hang it up, that it won't fall. And I don't know if I'm the only one, but a lot of times this feels like my faith. I've struggled with my faith. Sometimes I wonder if my faith is on a stud. Sometimes I wonder if my faith is on drywall. Sometimes it's hard to have faith when I fail God more than not. When I sin, when I doubt, it's hard to have faith. Sometimes it's hard to have faith when a good, all-powerful, sovereign God still allows pain, still allows suffering, and even still allows tragedy. Sometimes, for the younger ones, it's hard to have faith when there seems to be so much science that's contrary to the Bible. Sometimes it's hard to have faith, as we saw the picture of Rana, when our prayers go unanswered day after day, month after month, year after year, and now even 11 years. When it seems that God is far away, when it seems that God is distant, or that God doesn't hear, or even worse, when it seems that God doesn't care. Sometimes it's hard to have faith. Is our faith on a stud or is our faith on drywall? Now, I'm not going to have all the answers for you in 30 minutes. <laughs> Seminary is not that great, right? Um, but the Bible gives us great hope. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. 
Now, the main text for today is going to be from verses 8 to 13, but we're going to start at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is not a wish. Faith is not a, man, I really would like this to happen. No, faith, the author of Hebrews uses two certain words, assurance and conviction. Assurance of things hoped for, so it's assurance in the future, but it's also conviction of things not seen. That even when we're gathering here, it's not merely just people gathering together, sitting in seats. That as this water was washed over a Jovel, that it wasn't just water. That something else happened that we have conviction of things that are not seen. This is what faith is. Faith is certainty. These aren't wishy-washy words. It's not, I really wish God would do something. No, it's conviction. It's an assurance. And because of this conviction and assurance, men and women of God can overcome challenges, can overcome obstacles. And this is what faith is. And as you all know, we're saved by faith. When we've come to the end of ourselves, when we try to make a life for ourselves, when we try to save ourselves, and we realize we can't be our own savior, the Bible says that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We're justified by faith. We're saved by faith. Like, that sounds too easy. Don't we have to work for it? No, the Bible clearly teaches that we are saved by faith and faith alone. Justified by faith. Now, when we come into that relationship with Christ, we have a new relationship. We no longer have to be fearful of judgment from God. We're now become sons and daughters of God. We have an entirely new relationship with the triune God. We are adopted as his own. That he wants to be associated with us. He wants to be recognized by us. That we get to carry his name. And as sons and daughters of God, we grow as disciples. We grow to become like him. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, you will recognize his disciples by their fruit. Later in John 15, Jesus would say, how do you bear fruit? By abiding. See, oftentimes we think faith is, I need to try to have more faith. To, ha to grow in faith as Christians, we don't try to have faith. We abide. To grow in faith, we don't try, we abide. Now, this isn't the season for fruit. But let's say there was a tree, and if you see a tree, you don't see a tree like, <clears throat> boop, oh, fruit. That's not how it works. Trees don't try to bear fruit. They bear fruit because they're trees. How do they bear fruit? They remain rooted in the root system. They remain a tree. In the same way, we don't try to have more faith. We don't try to conjure faith somehow. We abide. We're with him. We spend time with him. What does that mean? We spend time in the word. As the author of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, we do not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We spur one another on to love and good deeds and even more as we see the day of Christ approaching. We don't try, we abide. And this is how we bear fruit. So this is what faith is. Faith is an assurance of the things we hope for and a conviction of things not seen. So what else does the Bible tell us about faith? Let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 8. We're going to jump down to verse 8. The Bible says this. 
By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promises in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Faith acts on God's promise. The text here in the original language gives a connotation that Abraham immediately obeyed. When God called him, he didn't delay, he immediately went out. See, faith is not it's just about hearing the word of God. That's how faith comes. Romans says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the word of God. That's how faith comes, but faith also acts on the words of God that we hear. Pastor Q talked last week about, are we making room to hear God? And if you're hearing, are you obeying the word of God? See, Abraham here, he walked from Haran to Canaan, which is about 400 to 500 miles. That's like me walking from here to Boston. That's like, for those of you who've been to Grace Retreat, if you walk from here to Virginia State University, you've only gone halfway as far as Abraham went. He went a long way. The call that God had was a crazy call. Go 400 to 500 miles. And the worst part is once he got there, there were people there. I'm going to give you a land. There are people in my land. How would you have reacted? When you see God's promise, but you, when, you see, when your eyes see, how is this going to work? God, you called me to walk 400, 500 miles, and I get here, and you said I'm going to give you a land, but people are here. Isn't that often the story of our faith? That there's a call of God, and yet when we get there, it's not quite what we expected. But faith continues to act immediately. Not only that, we see that Abraham, he dwelled in tents. He willingly embraced his life as a sojourner. See, as one of the things about making, and Alex talked about the American dream, one of the things about making is having decent square footage, having a little plot of land, having handyman Hoon fix up your bathroom and your foyer so it looks nice. Right? This is what we want. We want a permanent location. We want to make a living. We want to make a home for ourselves. But Abraham, and not only Abraham, but his sons, Isaac and Jacob, willingly embraced the life of sojourners because what was their hope? A city whose builder and architect was God. Faith hears the word of God, but not only hears, but intellectually hears, and like, I intellectually understand, faith acts on God's call. Now, I believe that exercise is good. I believe that eating healthy is good. I believe that overeating is bad. Uh, but... I'm not wearing a tie today, not because I wanted to be like a cool young guy who's wearing an un, like, you know, not button up the top button with a tie. I'm doing this because it's, it's kind of tight. <laughs> right? I believe that eating right is good, but the last few weeks of the semester with like finals and all this stuff, I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time to eat right. And so even though I intellectually believe and understand and know that I should behave a certain way, that's not enough. Intellectually believing and knowing that God has called you is not enough. We have to act on our belief. Until we act on our belief, we don't receive the benefit of that call. 
See, sometimes when we get a call from God, it's like me with my, my weight. I'm like, you know what? Maybe God just called me to be fat. It's probably the reality, right? So sometimes we get a call from God and we get there and it's like, that's not quite what we thought it was. Maybe God didn't call me to this. But faith acts in confidence on God's call. Some ways that might look is, are you making room to hear from God? If you're like, I don't know what God's call for my life is, are you making room to hear from God? Are you spending time in the word? Are you spending time with other believers? Are you sharing the gospel with those who don't know Christ? Some of you, where has God placed you? Sometimes it's easy to think that my resume, my background, my training got me this job. But men and women of faith don't believe that. Men and women of faith believe that God's placed us in a certain workplace for a reason. Not just to intellectually know, okay, God's put me here. Not just intellectually, okay, God's given me this job, or God's given me this opportunity, or God's given me this sphere of influence. We have to act on that belief and live it out. God's called you to this church. If you're called to this church, are you tithing, are you giving, are you serving to this church? Are you acting on what you know that the church is important, that the body of Christ is important, or do we just intellectually know it? Because that's not enough. What neighborhood has he put you in? What home did God give you? Right? It's easy to think that Richard bought everyone their house in this room because most of everyone's realtor, but God's giving you the place. Where has he put you? Maybe that neighbor you see every time you put out the trash on Thursday morning, maybe God's put you out there for a reason. Maybe that person needs hope. Maybe that person needs the gospel. Faith not only intellectually believes in God's call, but we act on it. Now, some of you might say, but I sure do fail God a lot. I sure do struggle with my faith. So did Abraham. Abraham was not perfect. Abraham failed. In fact, Hebrews 11 is often called the hall of faith. It's also a hall of failure. There's men and women who've failed. Flawed individuals are in this book. Flawed individuals. Barak wasn't perfect. Gideon wasn't perfect. Joseph wasn't perfect. Jacob, deceiver, certainly not perfect. Rahab, a prostitute, certainly not perfect. And yet we don't read anything about their failures in this book. There's no record of the wrongs that they did. In fact, the Bible says that when we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive. Now, if this is your sin, I'm on the east side of the stage. And let's say I'm taking your sin and I'm carrying it to the west side of the stage. And it's taking me about 10 steps to get from the east to the west. And this is not that far for me to carry your sins. I can, in fact, throw your sins back to you. And this is how we often feel. We feel like, well, God's forgiven me, but I could still see my sin. I could still throw my sin over there. It's still, no, the Bible says that as far as the actual east is from the west, that's how far our God has removed our transgressions from us. There's no record of our wrongs because this is the good news. All the things that you've failed in, all the things that you've not been able to succeed in, all the ways that you feel like you failed God, failed your family, failed your children, failed your parents, failed your friends. No record of it. Just faithful obedience to the call of God. Faithful obedience to the call of God. That's the only thing we have as a record in the hall of faith. Faith acts on the call of God. So faith 
is assurance of things that we hope for, conviction of things not seen. Faith acts on God's call. But what else does the Bible tell us about faith? Look with me in verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Faith acts on God's promise. Because Sarai believed, Sarah believed, she receives God's power and God's provision for a miracle. In case any of you doubted, the Bible clearly tells us that she was beyond the age of childbearing. This was a miraculous birth. Now, the, the thing about, I'm, we talked about Abram walking 400, 500 miles. I'm not going to go into too many details about how Sarah acted in her faith, but she had a baby the next year, so she acted in her faith, all right? Just, just work with me here, all right? Just, let's leave this message without too much TMI, all right? But she acted in her faith. Nothing changed in her body. She didn't magically grow younger. It wasn't like Abraham looked at her and said, man, you just got hot. <laughs> Nothing changed. She was still old. Nothing changed in her body. But yet she acted on God's promise. She has conviction of what she did not see. She had conviction that what God was doing in her body, she saw God and said, he's faithful, and I'm going to act on it. And guess what? The next year she had a miracle child. Faith acts on God's promise. And not only that, at that time, when you couldn't bear a child, it was shameful, and it was painful. And just imagine through her life, and at that point she was about almost 90, 89 years old, imagine her life. God promised that there will be children. Imagine how much disappointment, how much hurt Sarah had in her life. Imagine how many failed attempts there were the Bible doesn't tell us about all the tragedy that Abraham and Sarah did, ha, encountered, but th it's got to be a lot. And I know many in this room have struggled with that, with the pain and, and shamefulness of, of not being able to conceive or, or having issues with that. But the Bible says that she acted in her faith, and she's commended for her faith. And in a moment, God healed all of the pain and all the shame that she had. Now, some of you might say that man, I'm not patient for God's promises. Or what if I've missed out on God's promise? Neither was Sarah. Hagar and Ishmael are testaments to the fact that Sarah wasn't patient with the promise of God. In fact, the Bible says that when she heard the promise of God, what did she do? She laughed. She laughed at the promise of God. And yet, no record of that. No record of the fact that she doubted the promise of God. Only the fact that she acted in obedience to our mighty God. That's all we read about. So what are some of those promises of God? Some of you might have a promise from God, but you're just like, I, I don't have the wisdom to live this out, God. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this, God. You give me this call, you give me this promise, but I'm not sure how to live this out. God promises in James 1.5, if you ask, he will give you wisdom. 
Some of you are struggling with temptation for different things. You're like, man, I'm struggling with temptation. I'm struggling with all this stuff. God promises in 1 Corinthians 10 that he is faithful and he will give you a way out of your temptation. When you're being tempted, you, don't see the, you have an unseen thing happening where God is actually rescuing you from your temptation, from your trial, and from your suffering. Some of you, your life might be in shambles. 2018 was a rough year. But the Bible says, in actually Hebrews 13, it says that God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Promises of God. So we act on that unseen thing. It's like, God, what I see is shambles. But I'm convicted, I have conviction and assurance that God is doing something in my life. As we sang earlier, that he's going to make something beautiful out of me. He's in the business of making beauty from ashes. This is faith acting on God's promises. So faith acts on God's promise. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith acts on God's call, and faith acts on God's promise. But what else might the Bible tell us about faith? How do we overcome doubt? How do we conquer challenges? How do we overcome the evil one? Let's look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them from afar and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Faith is anchored in the one who came. The Bible says that all of these in faith died without seeing the fullness of God's promise. Yes, they saw some of God's promises, but they didn't see the fullness of God's promise. Today, brothers and sisters, these candles remind us that we've seen the fullness. As Zechariah said, I've, now I've seen my salvation and now my eyes have seen. This book testifies that starting with a dozen, then maybe 70, 72, then maybe hundreds, then maybe 500, then thousands, upon 10,000, hundreds of thousands, millions of men and women over the centuries testify to the fact that the Savior has come that he was born through a virgin birth. He lived a sinless life. He died an atoning death to his victorious resurrection, to his glorious ascension, and now to his continuous intercession for all of us. This is our testimony. These men and women of faith, they saw it from afar. But men and women of history testify the fact that he's come. And not only that, this book testifies that he's coming again. And Hope Church is going to be ready for him. We're going to be ready for him. We're not going to be sleeping. We're not going to be like, well, I don't know if he's going to come back. No, we're, we're ushering in the second coming. Because the faith is anchored in the one who came. It's not just about our actions. Like, I need to have more faith. I'm going to act. No, it's anchored. In the one who came. Now, I apologize for the sports analogy, but this is the best one I could think of. And um, at least one person in this room will know what I'm talking about. Does a score 28 to 3 mean anything to anybody? 
Super Bowl, 28 to 3. I know it means something to Dapu. 28 to 3. If you guys don't know, 28 to 3 was the score of the Super Bowl when the Patriots played the Falcons. Now, I moved up to the Boston area in 2016. So February 5th, 2017 was my first Super Bowl up there. Now, being from the D.C. area, sorry, Lam, I'm a Redskins fan, but we have suffered long. Isn't that right, Lam? We have suffered long. And here's a picture of unbelief, the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith is not reason. The opposite of faith is unbelief. Here's, here's unbelief. The Redskins are doing well. People are coming up to me like, man, the Redskins are doing awesome this year. Yeah, I didn't believe then they see the injury like, oh my gosh, did you see his leg snap like that? It's like, I pretty much expected it. <laughs> this is the life of unbelief. <laughs> see, I, I'm not struggling with my faith in the Redskins. I full-on committed apostasy. Like, there's no faith whatsoever in the Redskins. So it was odd to me when I went up to New England, and there was this odd thing in the air around the Super Bowl. It's called hope. <laughs> See, my Super Bowls of the past 20 years have been, my hope is, man, I hope this recipe turns out good. <laughs> I hope it's a good game. I hope the hosts have some good snacks to eat. That's my hope. But in New England, they had genuine hope that they're going to win. And then, if you guys aren't familiar, the Falcons went up 28-3 to in the third quarter. And when they went up 28 to 3, I was watching with some friends from New England, New England fans. Just imagine like a bunch of Dapus, right? <laughs> and so we're watching the game, and they went, they just scored a touchdown 28 to 3. I said, hey, you guys want to go out? Like, you guys want to go do something? Because this is done. This game's over. Right? This is, like, this, let's go out, do something fun. We have time. Because right? that's what I'm used to. I'm used to, you know, like after the first quarter, all right, Redskins going to lose. Let's go out and play, do something else, man. There's no point in watching this. Just watch a couple of my fantasy football players. Like, forget this thing, right? But my friends looked at the TV and said, it's not over. It's not over. Do you see number 12? Do you see that man in the hoodie? Do you see that large man that you see in Dunkin' Donut commercials? You guys probably don't see him down here, but Gronk. We're going to win. We're going to win. And you guys know what happened. They tied it up. Then in overtime, they're making that last drive. My friends are like, we're going to win. Assurance of things hoped for. Said, no way. 28 to 3 never happened before. Impossible. There's no way this is happening. My friends had conviction of things not seen. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, our faith is not in a head coach. Our faith is not in a quarterback, even if he is arguably the GOAT. Our faith is in one that loves us more than we know. Our faith is in one that has already fulfilled the promises that these men and women were looking ahead to. And that he will fulfill the rest of the promises that he has proclaimed. Our faith is anchored in the one who came. This is not mere, merely a hall of faith. Sometimes we read this and like, man, I wish I could be like these people. I wish I had faith 
that would last through centuries, that people would still talk about my faith thousands of years later. This is really, there's only one hero in this entire passage. This isn't a hall of faith. It's the hall of the one who is faithful. Faith is anchored in the one who came. I'm asking the praise team to come up. And as they get ready, um, I'll tell you a story about when I got a promotion. After being a cubicle dweller for a little more than a decade, finally getting an office. Yes. Right? Hallelujah. Walk into my office the first day. There's a window. Right? So I go in. I open the blinds. It's a dumpster. Hey, it's an office. I got an o- got me an office. Doesn't matter, right? So I'm like, I got a promotion. I got an office. Now it's time to make my office look nice. You know, because cubicles, you have like the felt, so you got to like get those little sharp things and hang your stuff up. Now I got an office. Boy, we don't use felt in the office, right? We hang stuff up for real, right? But not for real, for real, because it's an office. It's a, it's a company office, so we can't, ha- we can't nail anything into the walls. So... We use 3M hooks. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. There's 3M hooks. They, I don't know how they work. They have some sort of magic glue that somehow rips off, but they're strong. So I asked her for some, and she, she gave me some. She said, okay, the package said 15 pounds. I said, great, awesome. So I went on my, on my office, put up these hooks everywhere, put up family pictures. I had, like, one really heavy picture of, like, my family and some other stuff, like, certificates, and I hung them all up because it said 15 pounds. Spent like my whole first day being in that promotion, just setting up my office, right? But set up my office, beautiful. I said, man, I made it, right? Go home, and I come the next day. Glass everywhere. All the things that I so meticulously put up all fell down. I asked our uh, assistant, I said, what happened? You gave me these packages that said 15 pounds, she said, hey, sorry, man, but someone used these and put the two-pound hooks back in the 15-pound package. So the object of my faith wasn't strong enough for what I was hanging on it. Brothers and sisters, our faith is not subjective. Oftentimes, we feel like our faith is subjective. It's dependent upon me. I need to have more faith. I need to try to have more faith. Faith, faith, faith. I need to grow in faith. I need God to increase my faith. And that's true to a certain extent. We do see biblical stories where miraculous things happen as a result of people's faith. But our faith is not subjective. The strength of our faith comes from the one who is the object of our faith. The object of our faith is the love of God the Father. The object of our faith is in the grace of God the Son. The object of our faith is the fellowship of God, the Holy Spirit. And our faith in this triune God cannot fail because our God will not fail. Again, I don't know how 2018 was for you. 2018 was a tough year for a lot of people. And I can't promise you that 2019 will be a better year. I can't promise you that 2019 things are going to magically go your way. I don't know what it will hold. I don't know what's going to happen for Hope Church in the next year. I don't even know where my family is going to be in the next year. But I know the fact that our God is faithful. The people of God can be full of faith because our God is faithful. Are y'all in here? Let's try it over here. People of God can be full of faith 
Because our God is faithful. Amen. Because our God is faithful. We can be full of faith. Our faith is in the one that's triune, the one who will not fail. Our faith is not simply act. Our faith is anchored. The author of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith, the man, Jesus Christ. Let's bow your heads and hearts in a word of prayer. Father, anchor us in your love. May we as a people of God be full of faith because our God is faithful. Amen. Let's all rise and sing this last song together.